1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I realize that this morning is Easter, and I realize that, uh, you know, <laughs> all of the tradition and everything and all of the religiousity to it and so forth. And again, we celebrate the Lord's resurrection every day because we begin to understand this information here in 1 Thessalonians 4. We've been talking about God's glory plan. Uh, last week, we introduced, began to introduce some of the details. We're going to continue this morning with the details. Actually, we're going to look very specifically at verse 16 about the shout and the voice and the trump. And the reason for that is, and as we begin to look at this and as we begin to consider these details, the, Lord, the fact that the Lord was, was, that he rose from the grave is what enables all of these details to now happen for you and I. If you look at verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And, that, and he will bring them with him in resurrection. A lot of times people say, when the Lord returns, comes back in his wrath, he's going to bring the saints. That's not so. When you go and read his second coming terminology, he's got the angels coming back with him so he can then gather up. The, the nation of Israel. You and I here, he, we're going to be, we're going to, the folks that are dead in Christ are going to rise with him. They're going to come back with him in resurrection. But notice in verse 14, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. So the, the gospel message about Christ dying was buried and rose again the third day. The fact, the very fact that he rose again was seen of the, of, of the 12, seen of everyone, seen of 500, and as a last seen of me as one born out of due time, the very fact that he rose from the dead, what everybody's celebrating today in Easter, is a fact that has implications of everyday life rather than just once a year. In, in the pastor uh, corners, we, uh, there's a little label called CEOs, and where people come to church on Christmas and Easter only. You know, they get the big holidays. When I worked at the grocery store in the produce department, my manager was, was, a, was a Jewish gentleman, and he only went to synagogue when mom twisted his ear, so only on the, on the, on the big holidays did he go. So we're not talking about that. Rather, talking about understanding some of the details here. Verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them, go before, pre them which are asleep. In other words, the folks that are dead in Christ are going to come back. They're going to come first. Then they're going to, I'll put it up here on the board because I'm going to do, here we are. Here's the rapture, what we call the rapture, the day of redemption, the resurrection day. And as the Lord himself comes back, and we're going to meet the Lord in the air, the dead are going to come down, and they're going to have a bodily resurrection just like the Lord Jesus Christ did. We which are alive and remain are then going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. The bodily resurrection, we're going to go over in 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to talk about those bodies and everything. Look over with me quickly at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. 
The mortal shall put on immortality. The corruption shall put on incorruption. That is a, our resurrection, the issue of resurrection, the issue of the new body, it has to do, has to, it has to, it has to mirror that of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Romans 6, talking about we were raised in the newness of life. All of that issue about resurrection, it has to be identical to what the Lord Jesus Christ did and went through because of our oneness in Christ, because of our oneness with Christ, because of that co-death, burial, and resurrection identity. Our identity, God has fixed our identity in such a manner that you and I are going to literally look, not, not physically as an appearance, but literally spiritually going to do the same things that he was able to do. Philippians 3, verse number 21. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. There's going to be a change. There's going to be a resurrection here. And it has to be that way because of how God has set the identity that we have in Christ and with Christ. If we're going to be heirs, if we're going to be joint heirs with Christ, that means we get exactly the same thing he did. Now, we'll talk about the glorious body. Come back to 1 Thessalonians 4. Verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend. So there's going to be some personal himself. Okay? That's number one. Himself, personal, suddenly. Remember last week we went back and looked at Acts and how in Paul in the, in the road to Damascus, how it came suddenly out of nowhere, personally, unannounced. Only Paul could hear the, 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 the language and, and, and what the Lord said, the men with him. All they know is some, something happened. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven. And he's going to come back with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Those three noisemakers, those three unique sounds, I want to look at them with you this morning. When the Lord was resurrected, that when the ladies come, that first day of the week and, and the, the stone is rolled away <laughs> and the, the, the guards are all laid out. That was some rumbling going on when that happened. Guards didn't understand what was going on, but there it is. Just as Paul, at the, in the road to D Damascus, he, he says over there in Timothy that they shall, all of us that love his appearing... Well, if you're going to love the end appearing, which is what we're talking about, you've got to love the first appearing with Paul on the road to Damascus. But those appearings are identical. The question has come up, how does the dispensation of grace come to a conclusion? How do we know when God's going to pull the plug, if you will? Well, the closest thing that I've found is in Romans 11, and we'll talk about that. In a, because you can't look at Matthew 24. You can't look at what prophecy says out there that you're going to see this sign or that sign. I'm amazed at how many people that say they are believers, that say they understand the word rightly divided, are so soon shaken in mind. <laughs> okay? 
and moved away because they get caught up in overload, information overload. These details, even today on a Easter Sunday, these details are important to have in your inner man because when the Lord, when the Father says, okay, let's go get them, you're not going to have time to go, hey, hang on a minute, what's going to happen? Because 1 Corinthians 15 says in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, all, the cha- all this is going to happen. You're not going to be, hey, hold on a minute, Lord. Let's get on YouTube. Google. What, what's going on? You're not going to be able to time for that. You've got to have this information in your inner man in the moment right now. The shout, he's going to descend from heaven. Notice where he's coming from. From heaven. He's coming out of the third heaven. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. This is the second heaven. You and I, if we're alive and remain, which we're here right now, so I'll just, you are alive, aren't you? (laughs) Okay. That's the first heaven. This meeting is transpiring in the second heaven. He's in the throne room. We don't go, he doesn't take us up there. He meets us here. He meets us in the second heaven. We talked briefly last time about his coming back is in two stages, one for us, and then he's going to leave us, and he's going to come over here in his second stage for the nation of Israel because that's what the shout's going to say, and that's what the voice of the archangel is going to say. And that's what the trump of God is going to be, and it's going to illustrate and then in the, in the Israel, by the way, Revelation 12, there's that war in heaven, isn't there? And that's where the Lord comes in, and he begins to fight with Michael. Well, wait a second. Michael is who? The archangel. He's in the heavens already, isn't he? He just moves over. Let's get on with the program, because that's what the shout's going to say, and that's what the voice of the archangel is going to preach. The shout. Paul, by the way, this is the only place that Paul uses these terms, is right here, about the shout, the voice, and the trump of God. Now, 1 Corinthians 15, he's going to talk about the trumpet of, the trump of God, the last trump. So we'll talk there. That's connected here. The shout. In Israel, it's a common occurrence about a shout. Paul only uses it here. The voice of the archangel. Michael is the archangel. He stands for Israel. Here's the only place Paul ever talks about Michael. The trump of God. That phrase is only found in Paul's epistles. So they are unique here when you come to Paul and to Paul's epistles. They are, there's something very special here because they're dealing with the issue of the day of redemption. They're dealing with that issue of the rapture. They're dealing with the event that uninstalls the dispensation of grace and resumes the prophetic program. So the use of these terms are to make you go, wait a minute, what's he talking about, shout and voice and trump? What's going on here? What's the, what's the deal? 
Because what's he talking about? I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, about how all this is going to come to a conclusion. When the dispensation of grace is complete, then God is going to reorganize everything and do what he says. And if you're looking for signals or signs in the dispensation of grace, that's what you're looking for. A shout, a voice, and a trump. If you just got an itch to have a sign in the dispense, there's your sign, as the, the comedian would say. You see, there's, these are, by the way, they're, very three, they're three very different signs, sounds. They're audible, they're noisy, they're going to rumble. Paul is using them in association with the rapture, the end of the dispensation of grace. The body of Christ never ends. We're going to go on forever. But the dispensation of grace is going to come to a conclusion. And what's going to come to the conclusion, what signals the conclusion, are these three sounds. They're going to be hidden from the world out here. Only the believer is going to know it. The shout, the voice, come before the trump of God. Uh, you got 1 Thessalonians 4, right? Uh, you know what? Let's just go on and talk. The shout. The shout is going to announce the conclusion of the dispensation of grace. Heaven has been silent. Sir Robert Anderson has a has a book called The Silence of God and how God is, has not been speaking from heaven. Now the, now the heavens have been silent. He's given us his written word. Now God's going to speak. God's been speaking through his word rightly divided. Now that silence is going to be broken. The Lord is going to come back and he's going to speak in such a way that it concludes and it draws to conclusion the dispensation of grace. It is now over. It's no more. The voice of the archangel. Michael is going to stand. Obviously voice, he's going to speak. And he's going to say, because the dispensation of grace is over, now it's time to conclude the prophetic program. Now... Israel's program is back on the scene. Now we're going to get on with it. And the trump of God is the mechanism on how he gets you and I home. How he gets us up to the meeting in the air. How he gets you and I, we'll see, that's the judgment seat of Christ. How he gets us there is that trump of God. So the shout now come back with me to Joel. It's very interesting. Paul only talks about this here. But he talks about, um, but when you go back into Israel's program, you begin to see what the shout is all about. Joel chapter 3. And what, is talking, what he's dealing with here um, and so forth uh, about that issue about the shout. Joel 3. Joel 3 verse 14. Now, Joel, is a, he's a minor prophet. He's discussing stuff here to Judah, the tribe of Judah. He says up there in verse 9, Proclaim ye this among 
the Gentiles, prepare war, wake up the mighty men, let all the men of war draw near, let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. So there's going to be a war. And the war, verse 12, let the heathen be awakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. He's bringing them to the battle of Armageddon. That's what he's bringing them to. Come on, guys. Let's come on. Let's get on with the program here. Verse 14, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. There's, there's, there's the battle of Armageddon. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened and the stars shall withdraw their shining. There's Matthew 24. There's the second coming. That's what we're talking about here. Now watch verse 16. The Lord also shall, what? Roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So then ye know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall no stranger pass through her anymore. Talking about the second coming of the Lord, and what does he do in verse 16? He roars. He roars out of Zion. He begins to utter his voice. Verse 17 is the kingdom. So he's going to roar out of Zion. He's going to utter his voice before he sets up the kingdom. After the tribulation, that's verse 15 there, the sun and the moon shall darken. So if you come over here, let's just put it up here. You have the 70th week of Daniel. You have him coming back and then the setting up of the, the kingdom. This is the trib, okay, the 70th week. Here's his second coming. And what's he going to do? He's going to roar. He's going to shout. There's going to be a roar. There's going to be a shout here of him coming and him coming back and him setting everything straight. And there's going to be this roar, you know, a shout, a loud, boisterous noise. Come on over to, or back to Jeremiah chapter 25. Jeremiah 25. When the Lord roars, Jeremiah 25. It's very fascinating through the Old Testament about when he roars. Jeremiah 25, verse number 30. 25, 30. Therefore prophesy thou against them all these words, and say unto them, The Lord shall roar from on high, and utter his voice from his holy habitation. There's Zion and Jerusalem. He also he, he shall mightily roar upon his habitation. He shall give a shout. See how roar and shout are connected? as they that tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. Come over to chapter 37 of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 37. Jeremiah 37, verse 1. And the king Zedekiah, the son of Joseph, reigned instead. Verse 2, but neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land... 
did hearken unto the words of the Lord, which he spake by the prophet Jeremiah and Zedekiah the king, right? Verse 4, now Jeremiah came in and went out. Well, you know why that's not making sense? It should be Job 37. I'm like, that was not making sense. It's called a momentum killer. Actually, it's what it's called. It's called can't read your writing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Job 37. Let's do Job 37. When the J-O-B looks like J-E-R, we're in trouble. <laughs> Job 37. I'm like, man, that's not making nothing there about a voice and a thunder and a roar, because we're talking about a roar, a shout. Job 37.1. By the way, Jeremiah 37 is pretty good, too. You just got to keep reading there. Job 37.1. At this also my heart trembleth and is moved out of his place. Hear attentively the noise of his voice and the sound that goeth out of his mouth. He directeth it under the whole heaven and his lightning unto the ends of the earth. After it a voice roareth, he thundereth with the voice of his excellence, and he will not stay them which his voice is heard. God thundereth marvelously with his voice, great things doeth he which we cannot comprehend. The shout in prophecy, come over to Psalms 50. The shout in prophecy is connected with his second coming. It is connected with the end of the 70th week of Daniel. Psalms 50 and verse 1. Psalms 50 and verse 1. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous around about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. There's the gathering up of Israel. After the tribulation is done, after the week is over, but notice how he's going to roar. He's going to, there's a call to the heavens. There's a shout. The shout takes place at the end of the 70th week of Daniel. The shout gathers them up and in they go to the kingdom. So now come over to 1 Corinthians 15 with me. Now, what Paul does is Paul picks up 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57. What Paul does is Paul says there's going to be a shout, and the shout is going to announce the end, the end of the dispensation of grace. And he uses shout because what is over here at the end of the 70th week of Daniel? A shout, a roar, a hey, it's over, it's over. We're going to gather now. We're going to do, we're going to gather and go into the kingdom. So Paul says, hey, 
we're going to use the term there that is going to announce the end of the dispensation of grace. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Notice what kind of shout it's going to be. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the, what? The victory. It's going to be a victory shout through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because the resurrection, the day of redemption, the gathering together, the rapture, is going to be a shout of victory that is the end of the dispensation of grace, but it's also going to be a victory over death and hell and the grave and sin and all of it because he's taking us home. It's a shout of victory. And, it's, and, it, and it announces the end of something. All through Scripture, the shout is announcing the end. So Paul says, I'm going to pull on that, and we're going to do a shout. Now it's, now, it's very interesting. Who is Paul? He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He understood the Old Testament Scripture. He quotes Old Testament Scripture a ton, more than almost anyone else of the other Bible writers in the New Testament. So he knows and understands when he says, shout. It's the end of the dispensation of grace. Now, the voice of the archangel. Come over with me to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. So we're going to hear a shout. We're going to hear a shout. By the way, you know what's going to hear it is your inner man. Okay? The Lord's going to be talking to your inner man. That's who he's talking to. These things on your head that hold my glasses up, you're going to hear it. It's going to come in and it's going to boom, but it's going to be an inner man thing. The earth is going to see a rumble when we talk, we'll talk about the clouds as they hold back the glory and they're that pavilion and that, that, thing, that, that mechanism that's holding back, just like a, a dark, angry rain cloud. It, yesterday it rained here a little bit, but the puddles in the parking lot lasted almost all night. It was very interesting. But that rain cloud gets in. What does it do? It hides the sun, doesn't it? Those clouds come in and they begin to hide the glory of God. Man sees it, though. Earth sees it. Then all of a sudden they see a bunch of people gone, and what do they do? Uh-oh, the aliens got them. You know, that's why I've told you for years, when the movie houses and the movie theaters and Hollywood produce, everything coming out of the sky is bad. It's bad. You know, aliens. Bleh, you know, <laughs> it's bad. UFOs, all that stuff. Why? Because who's going to come from the heavens? The Lord Jesus Christ is. And what Satan's going to do is he's going to say, you see that guy coming? He's the enemy. Let's go to war. And he's going to call the Gentile nations to war. And the Gentile nations will send their armies onto the battlefield. And when they send those armies onto the battlefield, that's a representation of the world. And the Lord wipes them out and wins the day. Okay? So much to kill the end of the story for you, huh? I told you the end of the book before you needed to get there. Daniel 12, Michael, the archangel, 12.1. And at that time, Daniel 12.1, and at that time shall Michael stand up. It's very interesting, the timing of Daniel, you know? You study down the book of Daniel and notice all the timing elements. At that time, what time? Well, it's going to end up being the middle of the week for the, the, the passage here. 
Michael shall stand up. Now notice, the great prince which standeth for the children of who? Thy people. Who's thy people, Daniel? Israel. Michael is, he is going to stand up, and he's going to stand up for the nation of Israel. Now come back to Revelation 12. And here's the timing of when he stands up. Uh, on your way back to Revelation, get Matthew 24. We were, we we're talking about this passage. Matthew 24, <clears throat> verse 21. Matthew 24, 21. He says, For then, verse 15, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, Whosoever readeth, let him understand. That is, a, that is what call, Paul or Peter. That is what Daniel calls the midst of the week. M I D T S T. I hear guys say the middle of the week. No, Daniel does not use that term. He uses midst. Because when you study out the 70th week of Daniel, there's a 30-day period that runs in that middle timing of the middle of the week time that things are going to begin to happen. One of them is the Antichrist is going to be assassinated, resurrected after three days, climb up on that throne, 2 Thessalonians 2, and demand all that's worshipped to come worship him. Because he has just been resurrected. So they're going to come. Matthew, the Lord says, when you see that happen, them that let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let them be where? Who or where? In where? Judea. Notice it doesn't say United States of America. It says Judea. And they're to flee to the mountains. Verse 21. For then, in the middle of that week, the midst of that e week, one of those events is going to happen. Michael's going to stand up. After all of that takes place, then shall be great tribulation such as was not seen since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Fascinating. Come on over to Revelation 12. Watch when Michael, the archangel, stands up. He's standing as the prince of thy children. He stands up as the prince for the nation of Israel. And he's going to stand there, and he's going to stand up for her. Revelation 12, verse number 5. And she brought forth a man-child. The she is the nation of Israel. The man-child is the believing remnant, the little flock, who shall rule all nations with the rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness. So you've got the man-child. By the way, people say the man-child here was, was the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not. Okay, it's way over. You could say the man-child's 144,000. That's fine because they're caught up. The woman, though, is Israel. That's what you need to see. Everybody trips up on that man-child stuff, and they miss what's happening here. The woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there 1,203 score days, 1,260 days. 1,260 days, they're going to be in that, the table wilderness, verse 7, okay? By the way, 1,260 days, it's that middle time period, 1,260 and 1,260, verse 7, and there was a war in heaven, Michael 
and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. When Michael stands up for Israel, there's where he's doing it, and it's for that war in Revelation 12. So when Michael stands up, now come with me to Jude, Jude chapter 9, <laughs> Jude verse 9. Notice the voice of Michael, because it says the voice of the archangel. He's going to stand He's going to stand up for the nation of Israel, and he's going to lend his voice to the process. The only place where we see Michael speak is right here in Jude 9. Yet Michael the archangel, which contended with the devil, he disputed about the the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. What does he say to Satan? The Lord rebuke thee. They're contending about the body of Moses. You go over to 1 Corinthians 10 and you begin to study out that issue. Well, just look over there first. Hold on to Jude and look at 1 Corinthians 10. I say that and then it dawns on me. might better go look at it. 1 Corinthians 10. When he talks here about the body of Moses. Deuteronomy 34, Moses is dead. He's not talking about the physical bones of Moses. By the time you get to Jude, Moses' bones are just dust. It's been almost 2,000 years. <laughs> He's not still sitting there going, you know, I think about the skeleton. So there's something else about the body of Moses here. Moses represents the law given to Israel. That's what Mo Moses is, the great lawgiver. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 2, Paul says, And we're all baptized unto Moses in the sea and in, uh, in the cloud and in the sea. Notice Paul says, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized, identified, baptism, identified with who? With Moses and the lawgiving. The whole of Israel was identified with Moses. When he says, our fathers passed under the... He's talking... When Moses led them out of the land of Egypt up to the Red Sea and crossed that Red Sea, all of Israel went with him. So all of Israel, the whole of Israel is identified with Moses. Moses led a body of people out of Egypt. So the body of Moses is really the body of, Egypt, of Israel. Satan sought to destroy Israel. Go back to Jude 9. He sought to destroy Israel. Michael stands up to protect and to contend with Satan. And Satan is going to contend with Israel. Michael speaks up, and what does he say? The Lord rebuke thee. He rebukes Satan's attack, and he does it with the armies of heaven, i.e., Revelation 12. Come back with me to Zechariah. Notice it here in, in the prophets. Zechariah. It's right before Malachi, the right before the end of the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 3. 
You see, when Moses, when Moses, when, when Michael contends, he's not contending over the grave site of Moses. He's, he's contending with Satan about over the, the whole of the nation of Israel. And he says, those people, the Lord rebuke you. They belong to the Lord, not you. Zechariah 3. Well, start in verse 10 of chapter 2, the end of 2 there. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord, and many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto thee. All the nations are coming to Jerusalem. And the Lord is going to dwell with them. And the Lord, verse 12, shall inherit Judah, his portion, in the holy land, and shall choose Jerusalem again. Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for he is raised up out of his holy habitation. They're all ready to come back. The Lord's ready to come back and deliver Israel. Chapter 3, verse 1, and he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. Well, you know, Joshua, he shows up, and that's the same name as who? Jesus, Jehovah, right? He's going to stand before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. You have a courtroom standing. Very interesting here. The accuser of the brethren stands up. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? The Lord, L-O-R-D. By the way, it's capital. It's, here's the Son. The Son says to Satan, the Lord, well, who would that be? Why didn't he say, I rebuke you? No, he now calls on the Father. The angel, the Lord, the Son, says, the Lord, the Father, <laughs> says, rebuke thee, O Satan. There's our Jude 9. Verse 3, verse, now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel and he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. Remove the iniquity, the filthy rags. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will close thee with a change of raiment. There's the new covenant. Take away the old and let's put on the new. But it starts... By the way, the Lord rebuked thee, O Satan. Where was the great rebuke of Satan? Where did that take place? It's Easter Sunday, isn't it? It took place at the cross. Michael's voice, the Lord rebuked thee. Why? Because he chose Jerusalem. He's going to clean up that nation. So when Michael stands for Israel... He stands to rebuke 
the satanic policy of evil that was designed to destroy the nation of Israel. He's defending them. So Paul, grabbing that issue of the voice, says, you know what? The voice is going to be associated with the restoring of the program of Israel. It's time to restore Israel. Back to the Acts 7 condition. Romans 11, verse 25, he said, I would not have you to be ignorant of this mystery, brethren. Romans 11, look over there real quick. Romans 11. Romans 11, 25, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Hey, the shout, the dispensation of grace is at an end. The voice of the archangel, verse 26, And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written. Paul says, listen guys, we got us a, hey, the DOG's over, the dispensation of grace is over, and it's time to restore Israel's program, time to start her back up because we got to finish it out over here. You follow that? You see what's going on? Then he says, the trump of God. <clears throat> now, come back there to 1 Thessalonians 4. Because this is the one that gets everybody's dander up real quick. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. When you talk about trumpets in scripture, one of the key components is who's blowing the trumpet. It's either God or it's an angel. Now, Come back with me to, to, to Zechariah there, where we were just a minute ago. But chapter 9. In Scripture, trumpets are wonderful. You got Zechariah 9, right? Thank you. I heard, a, I heard a yes through the Internet. Yes. He can talk. It's okay. Zech <laughs> Zechariah 9. Okay, hold on to there and run to Numbers 10. Numbers chapter 10. Numbers 10. Because trumpets, the trumpets in Scripture are very fascinating. Numbers 10. Now, if you know the book of Numbers, if you've read it lately, that's the, that's the census taking of the nation of Israel. Numbers 10, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Make thee two trumpets of silver. How many trumpets? Two. Of a whole piece thou shalt make them, that thou mayest use them, now watch, one for the calling of the assembly, and two for the journey of the camps. Now we know they're going to blow the trumpets to go to war, but what are they doing? They blow the trump one to do what? Call the assembly together. Two, to move them out. So when Moses was to moving the nation of Israel, he would have one trumpet get up. You know the trump, you know, reveille. You know, wake up. And then you know taps, the end of the day. One, boom, we're over here. Two, we're moving out. Head them up, move them out. That's what we're doing. Two trumps. 
Two distinct sounds to, to everything. Come to Zechariah 9. But who's blowing them is very fascinating to me. Zechariah 9, we'll start in verse number 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, the king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, upon a colt, the foal of an ass. There's Matthew 21. There's Palm Sunday, what was last week. That triumphal, quote-unquote, entry. Verse 10. By the way, that's his first coming. 9-9 nine, nine is his first coming. Lowly and meek and lowly, riding on the ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Verse 2, And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the, and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen, and his dominion shall be from sea, even to sea, and from river, even to the ends of the earth. There's the second coming. All right? Drop down to verse 13. When I have bent Judah for me, filled the bow with Ephraim, Raised up thy sons, O Zion, against thy sons, O Greece, and made thee as the sword of a mighty man. And the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as the, as the lightning, and the Lord God shall blow the trumpet, and shall go with the whirlwinds of the south. The Lord of hosts shall defend them, and they shall devour and subdue which with sling stones they shall, uh, shall drink and make a noise as through wine, and they shall be filled like bow, uh, bowls and as the corners of the altar. Notice verse 14. Who blows that trumpet there in his second coming? The Lord Jesus Christ blows the trumpet. That's who's blowing the trumpet. Now in Revelation, you see, when God blows the trumpet... It's associated with him going and defending and delivering the nation of Israel in prophecy. Now come on over to Isaiah, or come back over to Isaiah 18. Isaiah 18. Isaiah chapter 18. When God blows the trumpet in the Old Testament, in prophecy... It is associated with him coming and defending and delivering the nation of Israel. Isaiah 18, verse number 3. Isaiah 18, verse 3. All ye inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth, see ye when he lifted up an ensign on the mountains, and when he bloweth a trumpet, hear ye. For so the Lord said unto me, I will take my rest and I will consider in my dwelling place like a clear heat, I'm sorry, yeah, upon herbs and like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. Just drop down to verse 6. They shall be left together under the fowls of the mountains and to the beasts of the earth, and the fowls shall summer upon them, and all the beasts of the earth shall winter upon them. In that time shall the present be brought unto the Lord of hosts and of a Peter people scattered and peeled. And it ends with the name of the Lord of hosts, the Mount Zion. Verse 3, that ensign. You go back there to Matthew 24, we were there, but those signs of, and there's a trumpet involved. And what's he doing in verse 6? He's defending Israel. Now Paul has a different trump that God's going to blow. Now come on over to John 5. 
And the trumpet that Paul is going to talk about is the trumpet that's going to get us out of, the, out of earth and into the heavenly places. The trump of God is going to be, in, is going to be the mechanisms, the how-to, getting the body into the heavenly places. How do we get there? How's that going to happen? What are the mechanics of it? You know, yesterday, Linda and I took a walk. We counted our steps, and we wanted to know how far we were, so I Googled how many steps in a mile. <laughs> we did a mile, a little more, I think, okay? But how, to, how does God get the body home? That's what he's talking about. Now, watch John 5. John 5 and verse 28. Marvel not at this time, for the hour is come in which all that are in the graves shall hear his what? Okay? His voice. What's going to, in John 11, he, he, has to, he specifically says, Lazarus, come forth. If he had just said, come forth, the whole place would have emptied out. But notice, it's his voice. The graves are going to hear his voice. Now come over to Revelation chapter 1. Let's try to build this with you here. Revelation 1. Revelation 1, verse 10. Revelation 1, verse 10. Now, in John 5, it's literally his voice. Okay? All right? John 10, John, I'm sorry, Revelation 1, verse 10. I was in the spirit of the, on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a, what? Trumpet. Chapter 4, verse 1, Revelation 4, verse 1, Revelation 4, verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened to me, as the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. A trumpet has a voice to it. It has a it, it, so those in the grave are going to hear his voice. They're going to hear a trumpet. Now come to 1 Corinthians 15. And just kind of hang on here. I know we've been, we're almost an hour now. But just stick with so we can get this and we can move on or unless you're tired and we'll just do this next time. But we're on the momentum right now. 1 Corinthians 15, notice verse 51. So a trumpet has a voice to it. It has a, has a call to it. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall, be, we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the what? The last trump. For the trumpet shall sound. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Notice something there. We have a last trumpet, don't we? But we have two groups of people here. We have corruptible, and we have mortal, don't we? We have dead people. And we have alive people, right? 
We have two groups of people. The trumpet is going to sound. The trumpet makes a sound. By the way, it's called the trump Verse in verse 52. At the last trump, the trumpet is going to make a sound. When it says the last trump, that's what they call the sound coming out of the trumpet, is a trump. If you look back up in the passage here, you'll see there's going to be a first to call home the dead, raise them incorruptible, right? And then there's going to be a second where they're going to put on immortality. That last trump, that second blast. How many trumpets in, in numbers? Two of them. One to gather, one to go home. Now come up, come back over in, in here, come back up into chapter into verse 45. So our instruction, our what's going to happen with the body of Christ, there's two types of people, those that are dead in Christ, they're going to, to be raised. We which are alive, we're going to be changed. The corruptible is going to put on incorruption, the mortal is going to put on immortality. So you got two different, you got two types of people. Now, watch that be consistent with what Paul has already taught in the passage, verse 45. And so it is written, the, what? First man, Adam, right? The first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the what? Not second, but the what? The last, Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is of the Lord from heaven. Notice the first sounds, and then there's a second sound. We got the first. If you're in Adam, you're what? You're dead. But if you're in Christ, you're alive. So if you're over here dead... Where are you going? We got to get you up, and if you're alive, then we got to get you changed. You follow that? I hope you do, because that'll help. The last trump. By the way, if it's the last trump, that means there's more than one, isn't it? There's a blow to get home, to cause the the dead ones to come, and to be resurrected. Then there's a blow of the trump to call home those that are, remain and are alive. Come over with me to the book of Revelation. Hold on to 1 Corinthians 15. We want to do kind of a back and forth here quickly. I got five minutes before the hour, I believe. Romans 8. I'm sorry, Revelation 8. Revelation 8 and verse number 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven of a, about a, the space of half an hour. Revelation 8, 1. Okay. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven, what? Trumpets. Verse 6. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Verse 7. The first angel sounded. See that? Verse 8. The second angel sounded. Verse 10. The third angel sounded. 
verse 12, the fourth angel sounded. Chapter 9, verse 1, the fifth angel sounded. Four angels down, three to go. And by the way, there's a woe associated with this fifth trumpet. Woes are in, in, in prophecy are more, they're a little bit more serious in their judgments. Verse 13 is the sixth angel sounding. And the sixth angel is going to sound now all the way over into chapter 11, verse 15. And there's the seventh angel sounding. And there were great voices, 11, I'm sorry, Revelation 11, 15. And there were great voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The seventh angel, all right, the, 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 the third woe coming out of verse 14, it's go, he's going to sound. These trumpets are blowing not in association with resurrection, causing dead to be incorruptible to be incorrupted, or alive to mortal to put on immortality, but rather they're in association with judgment. So they're not the same thing Paul's talking about. Okay? By the way, this seventh trumpet is going to blow from here all the way through the kingdom and into the kingdom time. That's fascinating to me. The trumpets of, of Revelation are in connection with the issue of judgment, not resurrection. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, by the way, who blew the trumpets in Revelation? The angels did. Who blows our trumpet? The Lord himself does. God does. Behold, I show you, 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment in the twinkling of at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Notice the last trump, just that, that issue there. Come over to Matthew 24. A lot of people will say that that seventh trumpet is the last trumpet. That's the sound. Matthew 24 and get 1 Thessalonians 5. Just kind of answer that here quickly. You guys all right? Okay. Hopefully the internet folks are still there. <laughs> 1 Thessalonians 5 and Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse number 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. So where are we? Immediately after the tribulation, verse 31. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect. See, there's an eighth trumpet. That trumpet is not in the Revelation trumpets. There's another trumpet. It's after Revelation 11, which is the tribulation. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord succumbeth as a thief in the night. What do we know perfectly? Mature. We, we understand the issues of prophecy. And we know that that day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. 
For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. Verse 5, ye are the children of light. You know what? That has nothing to do with us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 5. That stuff has, we're, we're out of the way long before that. Revelation 10 again, go run back there. Revelation 10. Revelation 10 and verse number 7. Revelation 10, 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. So the seventh angel sounds, right? But notice that issue there about the mystery of God finished. So what people do then is they pull that out and they say, see, that's really the seventh trump, and they associate it with Paul because of that terminology, the mystery of God. Uh, no, <laughs> that is not Paul, okay? Then what is it? Well, notice it's the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to who? His servants who? The prophets. Yeah, but Rick, you know what? That's over there. That, that, those prophets that he gave to the church, the body of Christ, see, there they are. No. Rebel, go over to Colossians 2. Who, what is the mystery of God? It's very fascinating. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2 and verse 2. Colossians 2 verse 2. Colossians 2 2 that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of the understanding to acknowledging of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. There are three mysteries in that verse. The mystery of God, the mystery of the Father, and then the mystery of Christ. The mystery of the Father. That's Ephesians 1, verse 9 and 10, the big picture. That in the, the mystery of the Father has been revealed, it's been made known. What is it? That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he's going to gather it all back under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. The mystery of Christ. That's Ephesians 3, 1 to 6. That's what Christ is doing. What is Christ doing? He's forming the church, the body of Christ. Then the, then what it, the mystery of God's will. The mystery of God. That's Revelation 10, 7. And that has to do with the prophetic program to declare to the prophets. Come back over there to Revelation. Revelation 11, verse 18. Revelation 11, verse 18. Here they are. Here are the prophets. Revelation 11, 18. And the nations were angry and the wrath has come. And the time of the dead that they should be judged and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. 10.7 10, hath declared to his servants the prophets. In 10.7, the seventh trumpet begins to sound. And it has to do with the information given to the prophets. Okay? You, you. Now, come back to 1 Corinthians. You got Revelation 10, verse 7? 
Go back there to 1 Corinthians 15. Notice a comparison, just real quickly here. 1 Corinthians 15. Well, where to put it? <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 52, 52, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be saved. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. Revelation 10, 7. It's called the trump of God. Who's blowing it? God is. Who's blowing them over here? The angels. It's for our blessing. Taking us home. Resurrection. For Israel's, or for the world, it's in judgment. That's why they blow. This is the last one. There's more to come over here. Okay? This one is going to blow quick. This one's over a long time, a long period of time. They're not the same. The first blow, the first trump blows, the dead in Christ rise. The second one blows, those which are alive and remain are caught up to him. Paul uses these three distinct blast. These three, um, you know what, do one more, one more verse. Joshua, if you will. Joshua 6. Because I've, I've said this a couple times and I want you to understand where I'm coming from. Joshua 6 and verse 5. Joshua 6 and verse 5. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down. They're taking Jericho. Notice it is a long what? Blast of the horn. These are blasts. Boop, 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 boop. Boop, boop, boop. You know, boom, off they go. They don't sound like that. If I had, if we were a megachurch, we'd have had the, the trumpets blow in on the, over the speaker. But Paul comes along. Go back to 1 Thessalonians 4. Let's call it a morning. Paul comes in. He reaches back into Israel's history, the prophetic program. And he says, hey, we're going to have a shout. There's going to be a shout. That's going to be a victory shout that the dispensation of grace is over. Sin for you and I has been ultimately dealt with completely. Not only at Calvary, but now also in the resurrection. Then he says the voice of the archangel is going to show up and he's going to say, hey, it's time to get back started with Israel's program. We're going to resume it. We're going to put it right back where it ended there in Acts 7 and we're going to get her done. And then the trump blows. And that's that mechanism of how you and I get home. 
and there's going to be two blasts, two sounds, two move, two, let's move, head them up and move them out. Let's get them there. And the dead, verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We'll pick up there in verse, the end of verse 16 and 17 next time. The details, folks, how it goes. You need to know this stuff. People use Revelation. They use the seven trumpets. They use all that mess. Know that, behold, I show you a mystery. Verse 15, but this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. None of this is in Israel's history. It's all over here for you and I. Okay? So when the day of resurrection happens, the day of redemption, the rapture, the gathering together, however you have to term it for you, you're going to hear three noises. And, the, and they're going to happen so fast that your, your inner man's going to say, let's go. And your outer man's going to say, hang on a minute, i got to finish what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just kidding, it's not going to say it. It's going to be changed. And there's going to be that instantaneous we're out, we're up, and we're going to meet the Lord in the air. We're going to have a reunion time. We're going to have the judgment seat of Christ. And it's critical to understand because what gives us our hope, what is the anchor of our soul, is that Christ died, was buried, and rose again the third day. And just as God rose, raised him from the dead, that's how he's going to take care of you and I because of who we are in his son. The dead in Christ are going to rise. We which are alive and remain are going to be changed. And we're moving. Two blasts of the horn. And it's called the trumpet of God. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for everything we have in your son. We thank you for the patience of the folks in the study here to get down through this and to look at the details and to see them and to know that we'll be one day reunited with all the church, the body of Christ, in your presence. And it's all for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Any questions? Folks on the internet can't ask them. Hopefully that was clear.